pit is back, and they kept the winning going. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen. In this episode, we will be talking primarily about pit football and their gigantic, convincing win over Virginia Tech. 47-14 to was the final score, and that was without, I believe it was 16 players due to COVID-related protocols. This game had all the makings of a uh, of a disaster. When you talk about all the people who weren't going to be available for the Panthers, uh, the fact that Virginia Tech is is in that realm where they're not great, but they can still beat you at any given time. So it was an odd situation, and especially these two teams. It's not exactly a rivalry. It's not a great rivalry. It's not Penn State or West Virginia. But there's a little tension there, a little bad blood between these coaches and these programs. And uh, these two teams, anytime they play each other, you know that it's it's going to be hard fought. Even if it turns out, into, uh, turns out to be a blowout, uh, these two programs just trade punches every single year like a couple of prize fighters. And this year, Pitt landed a knockout blow uh, over the Hokies, like I said, 47-14 in just a dominant, dominant victory. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, I mean, first, the fact that Pitt had a dominant win, a decisive win, a convincing win, a stress-free win. That's remarkable. For anyone who follows Pitt, if you listen to this podcast, you know that Pitt does not do things the easy way. And generally, uh, when they play uh, a football game, it's going to be it's going to add a couple years to your life. And uh, it's not going to be something that, uh, that that you feel great about, whether they come out of it with a win or a loss. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be close. It's going to be nerve-wracking. And then you just see whichever way they come out of it. It's rare that Pitt is able to blow out a team. And it's especially rare when Pitt is able to blow out a team in back-to-back games. Because two weeks ago... They destroyed Florida State 41 to 17, and then this week they destroyed Virginia Tech 47 to 14, an even more dominant victory. And that just doesn't happen with the Panthers. When you when you look at their wins, nothing is dominant. I mean, you look at the beginning of the season, and I'm not counting Austin P, but the Syracuse game. Syracuse not a very good team. Pitt only won that game by 11 points, and it was ugly. The Louisville game, really close. They lose NC State close. They lose Boston College close. Most games are really close, and we've seen that especially in previous years. So for them to have not one but two back-to-back blowout decisive wins is pretty remarkable that they were able to show up. They didn't play down to their opponent. They, They didn't make a ton of awful mistakes, dumb mistakes. They didn't keep their opponent in the game. They just went out and they played like the better team and they got a a pretty easy win. And like I said, that's pretty remarkable for this program in particular against two decent teams. Neither Florida State or Virginia Tech is awful. That's another thing that's that's fairly impressive is, okay, if you were to tell me Pitt's going to have back-to-back decisive wins, uh, then you know you guess well maybe it's two really weak teams if there are two really bad teams in the ACC that's who it's going to be against. But these teams are are decent. They're not that good, but they're not that bad. And again, in both cases, going into it, Pitt could have lost the game. In both cases, I think it was Pitt was either a one point, uh, two or three point favorite, or a, or a two or three point underdog. But in in no case was Pitt a heavy favorite, and yet they went out there in two games that could have, on paper, gone either way, 
and they just went out and they dominated. They made it clear that they were the better team. Uh, so that's a big statement from this uh, Pitt Panthers program, that they have now come out in back-to-back games and proven that they are definitively the better team in that game. They won, and they looked good doing it, which happens so rarely. It was a slow start. The first quarter wasn't so pretty. The offense wasn't looking so good. They had to settle for field goals. Uh, There were a couple mistakes. The first quarter looked like the kind of game that we were expecting. Then the second quarter, they started to heat up, and by the time the, uh, the second half, the third quarter rolled around, it turned into a blowout, and Pitt was just firing on all cylinders, and it was actually a fun game to watch, if you can believe it. There aren't too many pit football games that are fun to watch, but this was one of them. And so to, to have back-to-back games that are like that, where Pitt just comes out and crushes an opponent, it's pretty remarkable and extremely rare. So let's talk about the specifics of the game and the specifics of the performances that we saw in this game. Let's start with DJ Turner. It's not a surprise who's going to get Panther of the Week uh, at the end of this podcast. DJ Turner was remarkable. He had the single best game of a pit-wide receiver since Tyler Boyd. You could even make the case that in an individual game, it could have been better. I won't make that case. I think even regardless what it says on paper, I think you look at what Tyler Boyd did, some of the catches he made, some of the plays that he had, and uh, I think Tyler Boyd would count as as a best game. But since Tyler Boyd, this is the best game definitively for a pit wide receiver. DJ Turner was dominant. Just pure dominance. And it came sort of out of nowhere. He didn't do too much in Maryland. He's a grad transfer. He came to Pitt, and I think a lot of us thought, okay, he's someone who can help the program. He should be pretty good. He should be solid, consistent. I don't think anyone saw a game quite like this. He had 15 receptions for 184 yards. Now, much of that came from one play on the 99-yard touchdown drive where he just had a monster reception and then capped it off with about an extra 20 yards after the catch where he just couldn't be stopped. So a lot of it is there, and a lot of the receptions that he did have, they were fairly routine. They they were good catches that gained some yards. They, They weren't anything miraculous, but still. DJ Turner, 15 receptions, 184 yards, one touchdown. He averaged over 12 yards per catch. It was a remarkable game for him. I don't know if we'll see more of that. Uh, you would hope that they could. Again, he's he's not going to be back next year, almost definitely. Uh, and uh, th- this might be the absolute peak. But if that's the case, it's a pretty, pretty great peak for him. Because, as I said, he sort of came out of nowhere. People expected, yeah, he might have a decent game, uh, especially with Jordan Addison out because of uh, COVID protocols. But no one really expected this in any game. And the way that DJ Turner came out, it, it was pretty sensational how he was able to do it. So he, without a doubt, the MVP of that game. Then you talk about the guy throwing the passes. Kenny Pickett had yet another stellar game. And I, I'm starting to feel like a broken record. Because Kenny Pickett, almost every single game he plays, he is really good. And that has not been the case for a Pitt quarterback for as long as I've been following the program. Nate Peterman, the, the offense that he was a part of was phenomenal. I, I don't think that I would say he was as good. Uh, Tom Savage was a good quarterback. I wouldn't say he was as good. Uh, Wojtek had a couple good games. Tino Sinceri, his senior year, had some good games. 
But Kenny Pickett is just consistently really good, and he's having to do more than, say, Nate Peterman uh, had to do. He had a lot of weapons and a lot of talent there, and he could hand it off uh, to James Conner. He could just throw it in in Tyler Boyd's general direction and and figure it out. Uh, This, though, this offense runs entirely through Kenny Pickett, and he does it all for his team. And he really embodies Pitt and that toughness, that grit, that the program wants to embody, the city wants to embody, and that Pitt fans love. They love someone who will go out there and give it their all. And uh, this is that guy. This really uh, is that guy. And he had another great game. He had over 400 yards passing. Uh, He had two touchdowns uh, passing, plus he had another one rushing. He did have one interception, but Kenny Pickett, just a... And again... Uh, I'll mention this, how much the offense runs entirely through him. He had 52 passing attempts. That is insane. I mean, to pass that much. Now, part of that is that the offense was just on the field for so much of it that you're going to have a lot of plays. But still, 52 passing attempts in a game. That is incredible. And, uh, And he completed, by the way, 35 of those 52. But to have someone who goes out there who, who handles the entirety of the offense, puts the entire offense on his shoulders, and then goes out there and delivers. Yeah, he might make a mistake or two, but he'll go out and deliver. And when the game's on the line, or even when it's not on the line, if there's just a play on the line, he'll find a way to get something done. He'll find a way, if they're in the red zone where Pitt has struggled so much, he'll scramble and he'll try to get into the end zone. And in this case, of course, he did with that rushing touchdown. Kenny Pickett is just so tough. He's got so much heart. He plays with so much determination. Uh, Pitt is extremely fortunate to have him. He really is the embodiment of what you want to see in a Pitt quarterback. It's unknown if he'll come back next year. He's a senior. He could come back, uh, but there's a decent chance that he doesn't, that he might go and try to make it in the NFL. Uh, You would hope for Pitt that he comes back because, as I said, he is really good, and this team can be really good decisively because of him. It's not because of anything else. It is because of him, uh, pretty strictly. And you'd hope he comes back. He said he hasn't made a decision yet. We'll see at the end of the year. But, man, if this is his last season, Pitt fans are going to miss him a ton. Because quarterbacks like that just don't grow on trees. Even, you know, he's not Trevor Lawrence. He's not Justin Fields. But, man, does he fight for everything. He fights for every inch on that field. And it's really remarkable to watch to see someone... Uh, with that much passion and that much heart for the team that he plays for. So Kenny Pickett, again, a phenomenal game. And then the other unit of the offense that has not been there and then showed up magically, much like DJ Turner, is the running game. The running game showed up from nowhere. They've been atrocious all season. They've been just completely non-existent. And yet they come out and they have a really good day. It was bizarre. The offensive line looked good. They created gaps. They created holes. The actual running backs looked really good. A.J. Davis had a big game. He had 80 yards. He averaged almost 7 yards a carry, and he had a touchdown. Vincent Davis had a good game. He had 53 yards. He averaged about 6 yards a carry and a touchdown. Uh, So just with those two, you're talking about a really good unit. And like I said, the offensive line, which has been – a large part of the struggle, both for the running game and for the passing game, by the way. Kenny Pickett hasn't had a ton of time, but they did a very good job, which was remarkable to see because of how poorly they've been playing this season. And they were missing some starters. 
but led by Jimmy Morrissey, who is a pro's pro. They went out there. The offensive line really succeeded. They were able to uh, give Kenny Pickett time, and they were able to create gaps for the running backs and ap- actually make this a running game that's worth watching, which is is pretty amazing they were able to do that. Uh, on top of that, the defense. This was a defense that was entirely on brand. This is exactly what you want to see from them week in, week out. It's become the norm. They'll give up a big play or two. It'll happen. And they gave up a big play to turn into a touchdown. It's frustrating. You hate to see it, but it happens. But for the most part, and this was in this game and many of the games Pitt has played this season and what we all expected going into the season from this defense was that this D was going to be incredibly strong. That outside of, again, that big play or two they'll give up, they'll hold strong. They'll, they'll play a complete game, and they will force turnovers. They will cause, uh, they will wreak havoc. And that's what they did. They caused some more, they forced some more turnovers in that game. We've been seeing that all year long. They do not give the other quarterback any way to get comfortable. They don't give him any time, any space. They always, always, always attack the quarterback, and they force turnovers, whether they're fumbles or interceptions. They force mistakes. And they did it again. It was exactly what this pit defense is known for, and ex- and if they play that way, they should win most games. And that's exactly what they did. Even though they give up a big play or two, if they play like that for the rest of the game, they should win most games, and they played exactly like that. And then one final uh, unit that I want to mention specifically uh, about this game was, uh, was the special team, specifically Alex Kessman. Alex Kessman had yet another excellent game. Now, he did miss a, uh, a critical extra point, against Boston College in overtime to lose that game. It was brutal. But in this game, and for much of his career, he has been very good for the Panthers. And in this game, it was no different. He had 17 points to his name. So that's five extra points, which for the most part are gimmies. Okay. But he had four field goals, many of them from over 50 yards. He had another 53-yard field goal in that game. And... His field goals, especially the early ones, they came at a crucial time because I mentioned early on the team started sluggishly. This looked like it was going to be another game that Pitt was just going to have to eke out and it would come down to to field goals, that the offense wasn't good, that they would struggle in the red zone, and that it was just going to be field goal after field goal after field goal. The first three scores of the game were all Alex Kessman field goals. It was a 22-yarder, a 30-yarder, and then a 52-yarder. And so it looked like that's what it was going to be. The pit would get into the red zone, and then they collapsed, they froze, whatever. And it was going to be up to Alex Kessman. And the pit would just have to keep racking up field goals and hope that Virginia Tech couldn't catch up. That's exactly what the game was looking like it was going to turn into. So the fact that you had a field goal kicker who was reliable, who any time that your offense uh, did choke in the red zone, that they couldn't get anything done, that you could turn to your kicker and be confident that he would be able to make the kick, whether it was from 22 yards or from 52 yards. And he's done that for most of his career. He has done that. He's been reliable. And yet again, in this game, Alex Kessman was reliable. Again, in a moment where you thought for a good chunk of the game that it was going to come down to him, that it was going to be an ugly game that required his field goals. The offense turned it on. They didn't need him as much after that. But in that first quarter and going into the second quarter, he was a vital part of what helped put this pit team up and then they never they never let go of the lead. So he was an absolutely huge part of this game. All the units played very well. Just a really complete win for the Panthers. It's not too often that you see every unit, every position, they all played really well. 
and that's that's pretty darn rare when it comes to pit football. So we will take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors, then we'll come back, talk about this season as a whole, where things stand, uh, looking back and moving forward, and uh, also going to talk about some pit soccer, pit men's soccer, uh, who made it to the ACC championship game this past weekend. Stay with us on Unscripted. Okay, so where does this put Pitt? Well, it puts them back on track. And if not for the uh, COVID outbreak or whatever exactly it is, because they're not uh, telling us too much, but whatever happened, of course, the Georgia Tech game got postponed to the end of the season. If that didn't happen, Pitt would have played Georgia Tech in between Florida State and Virginia Tech. Now, I can't speculate. You know, who knows what would happen? It's not guaranteed, but... The way Pitt is playing, you assume that the Panthers would have uh, gotten a pretty convincing win over Georgia Tech. And again, if that were the case, you're talking about three wins in a row and three good-looking wins. That means that Pitt is back on track, even with the two. Pitt is back on track, and it's going to take a hit this weekend most likely because they're playing Clemson in Death Valley. It's going to be extremely difficult, and Clemson's not ranked number two, so I don't think an upset's going to happen. Uh, But... This is still a team that is back on track, and they still have one more game that they can win. That'll be against Georgia Tech on Thursday, December 10th, and then perhaps after that a bowl game uh, if things uh, work out a certain way, and assuming bowl games are still happening uh, with COVID and everything. So, uh, But overall, the, the fact that they were able to uh, turn things around after the bye week is impressive because for a lot of people following this program, we thought that might be it. And I was, people were saying after NC State, after Boston College, I don't think Pitt's going to win another game this year. And I thought that was a little much. I thought people were getting ahead of themselves. And then I saw the Miami game, and then I saw the Notre Dame game, and I thought, you know what, especially because Kenny Pickett was out, I thought, you know what, maybe Pitt doesn't win another game this year because they are playing really terribly, and Florida State and Virginia Tech are decent teams, and Georgia Tech is decent, and Clemson. I thought there was a chance Pitt wouldn't win another game, and I said they have to win at least two to salvage this season and for Pat Narduzzi to be back next season to earn another year. Well, they've done it. They have they got those two wins, and again, decisive wins over Florida State and Virginia Tech, and they could still make it three. Technically, they could make it four, uh, but most likely they could make it three. And to win uh, three of the last four would be huge. To win two of the last four, it's not great, but it's enough to salvage the season, and they've already accomplished that. The season is not a total wash. Uh, as I said, they can still, they've still got a very good shot against Georgia Tech in December. There's still a bowl game, perhaps. Uh, this this season, it looked like it was just dead. It, it looked like it was in the ground, and they were able to revive it. And so credit to Pat Narduzzi and the staff, and especially the players, for really turning it around and not just mailing it in. And Paris Ford, again, every right to opt out of the rest of the season, completely understandable, not against him at all. Uh, but a lot of players could have done what he did, which is say, you know what? I was hoping the season would go better. It's not. There's COVID. What's the point of playing out the rest of the season? The draft is coming up. I'm just going to sit out. It would have made a lot of sense for another handful of players to do that, and they didn't, and they have been able to turn the season around. And so I I give them a lot of credit uh, for being able to turn it around because this team is is back on track. And again, most likely going to lose to Clemson. It's most likely not going to look good, uh, but that doesn't change how this season uh, is going which is in a good direction. And uh, after things were looking so bad for a while, uh, Pitt has certainly stabilized. And one thing, before I uh, close out Pitt football, what's really crazy 
is that this team right now, uh, they are five and four, and it's it's looking like maybe the season is salv- salvageable, but it's not going to be a good season. People won't look back and say, "Yeah, that was a good year. Remember that year? That was fun." Even if they get to six and five, which would be assuming they lose to Clemson but beat Georgia Tech, relatively safe assumption. Not a great year, and yet. If you look at the two games back in October, early October, to NC State, Pitt loses by a point. To Boston College, Pitt loses by a point in overtime. One point in each game. If Pitt manages to flip two points at any part of that game and come out on top and win both of those games by a single point, this season would be completely different. uh, Because then you're talking about a team that is... Uh, what seven and two, and so and and you know has a chance. Okay, maybe you lose to Clemson, you beat Georgia Tech, you finish the season uh, eight and three with your only losses coming against two of the or three of the top ten best teams in the country. That would be a really good year by all accounts, by all standards. And so, the, the I mean that just goes to show. And I'm not gonna really give Pitt a ton of credit because ultimately they did lose those games. You. As Herm Edwards says, you play to win the game, and Pitt lost those two games. But it is an interesting thought experiment that if those two games just go slightly different, if Pitt uh, d- makes one less mistake, if Mark Whipple has one better play call, you know, if if uh, Narduzzi handles one thing a little bit better, and they win those two games that were both one-point losses, this would be a 7-2 and two season right now, and it would probably be Pitt's best team of the entire century. Pitt hasn't had uh, great teams this century, but if you're talking a season that is seven and two, looking like it's going to go eight and three, that's a and again with the only losses coming to three of the top ten teams in the country, that is a really really good season, and uh, and like I said, probably the best in the century. Uh, but that's just how it goes. I, I think what it does show is that this team isn't as bad as a lot of people made them out to be. Because again, you just flip those two things. It's a seven and two team, and and they seem amazing. So, if if you can flip just a couple of plays in two games, and your perception of this team goes from awful to incredible, that means that they're somewhere in between. And I, I think that's true. I think this is a team that has been underwhelming. I think they had a really bad stretch of games, and part of that was because they were without Kenny Pickett. I think the offense still has struggles. I think. Maybe we'll see them have two more great games with the offense, uh, but I don't think so. Uh, I think the offense still has struggles. I think they hit a cold streak. I think without Kenny Pickett, they were they were in a lot of trouble. But I think this is a good football team, uh, as it was supposed to be. Maybe not as good as it was supposed to be, but it's still a good football team. And, uh, and they put together, for the most part, uh, a quality season. It's just those two losses, but that and that that goes into how big it is. Uh, every inch is so huge that there's this this massive swing, and this five and four pretty disappointing season could just as well be seven and two and uh, fairly historic. So that's uh, as they say in Bruce Almighty, that's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> Uh, so that is it for pit football. I do want to talk about pit soccer before we go. Pit soccer made it to the ACC championship game this past weekend, and they lost to Clemson. It was uh, they lost by a single goal. It was two to one. Uh, it, heartbreaking ending. Pit soccer 
has risen to new heights. Jay Vidovich is a phenomenal coach, and uh, this is the best season that they have had. They nearly won the ACC championship, uh, which, again, is a tough, tough, tough conference uh, to win. And they played a stellar, stellar season. They, they did not lose a single game until this one. They didn't draw or tie a single game into, until this one. And it was a great year. So it's heartbreaking that, that they have to uh, finish the ACC part in a loss. But because of COVID, normally you go right into the NCAA tournament. Uh, in this case, the NCAA tournament has been pushed to the spring. And Pitt is not guaranteed a spot there because they didn't win the conference. But it is likely they will get an at-large bid. They were ranked number one in the country before that game. And so they'll likely get an at-large bid, make it to the NCAA tournament. And I do believe that this team can beat anyone in the country, including Clemson, if they were to face them again. So the chances of a national championship are not remotely gone. I think this Pitt team can still win a national championship. And even though they don't win the ACC championship, you wonder if Jay Vidovich can take that loss to Clemson and try to teach this team something, and they can try to learn from it and maybe be a little bit better equipped in the NCAA tournament. Because this is not a program that is used to postseason success, or really postseason experience. And so it's it's got to be tough for these players uh, getting used to that. And so you had a little bit of a taste of it, but and, and, and of course last year as well. But this is not a program uh, that year in, year out, they're in, they're in the NCAA tournament and you know what to expect. And, and maybe they win a conference or they make it to a conference championship game and all the players know it and the program knows it. That's not the case. So you hope that they learn something from the ACC tournament and then uh, carry that forward into the NCAA tournament in the spring because they still have a really good chance there. Uh, the goal, by the way, scored by Valentin Noel, uh, who uh, who's a great player, a Frenchman. Uh, who had another uh, great game and a crucial goal uh, when Pitt needed it. They just couldn't uh, get the equalizer late in the game. And then especially, he did give up two goals, but really both goals were uh, a count of the defense. The goalkeeper, Nico uh, Camputhano, was sensational. He had some great saves. Clemson had a ton of pressure. For the most part, Clemson was the team uh, on offense. They were the team exerting pressure, and Pitt was on their back heels. Uh, but in in almost all of those cases, um, Camputhano was a uh, was an incredible player. Uh, he did a great job and uh, made a couple key saves and really commanded uh, commanded the box. Like I said, the two goals allowed. A lot of it was the defense, um, and uh, you know there's there's only so much you can do there. Uh, but uh, Camputhano had a great game. Valentin Noel had a great game. And Jay Vidovich uh, getting the program to this point. And again, the season's not over. They're going to regroup, recollect, and try to make a long, a deep uh, NCAA tournament run. A lot still to be accomplished in uh, Pitt men's soccer, so keep an eye out for them come spring. Uh, but, and then before we go, Panther of the Week, uh, I sort of <laughs> telegraphed it earlier. It's DJ Turner, no doubt about it. Just a monster game from him. Uh, but again, credit to... Turner and to Pickett and and to the defense and to Kessman and to the offensive line to Jimmy Morrissey who had a huge game and credit to Pitt soccer. I mean, there were, it, this is a good week if you're a Pitt fan, and absolutely a good week. Not to mention, by the way, Penn State 0 and 5 uh, for the first time in history. So pretty remarkable how poorly Penn State football is doing this season. Uh, so that is it for this episode of Unscripted. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Should be back uh, next week. Again, hoping for Monday. It might be Tuesday, but hoping for Monday um, uh, after the Clemson game. 
Uh, certainly, if Pitt wins, <laughs> the uh, the episode will be up on Monday because there'll be a whole lot to talk about. Um, but we will be back next week with a new episode of Unscripted. Until then, you can follow me on Twitter at Corey E. Cohen, C-O-R-E-Y-E-C-O-H-E-N. And uh, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, search for Cardiac Hill. Hit subscribe. You get the podcasts right to your phone when they come out. You can also keep checking out CardiacHill.com for all things Pitt sports. Until next week, folks, I'm Corey Cohen. Signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast.